0: hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent four- and five-figure months, and then on six- and seven-plus-figure years without burning out in the process. Okay, so here's the deal. This episode is slightly different. You see, I ran a live event back in November for 75 women. And one of the sessions was a panel with myself, Denise Duffield-Thomas, and Sheree from Digital Picnic. And the three of us talked so openly about our success. But more importantly, we opened up about our mental health collectively from ADHD, anxiety, depression, OCT to autism. It was important to me to share with the women at the live event And now with you, that despite our struggles with our mental health, we are all very successful. Cherie runs a team of 19, Denise just had a $1.2 million launch, and I'm a seven-figure business consultant helping women around the world to have profitable businesses. I wanted to show how each of us have a different journey to our diagnoses, from how we got diagnosed to medication regime, coping strategies, and so much more. We are each so different, but yet so the same. And because it was so powerful and so well-received and so much feedback was given to me from the women that attended the live event, but those who also were not able to attend the live event but watched the replay, I knew I had to create it into a podcast because I know it might just help you too. So sit back and get ready for some very raw and real talk from three women who are killing it despite having ADHD. But before we hop into this awesome episode, I'd like to remind you that this episode is sponsored by my mastermind, the Action Takers Mastermind for Women in Business. Doors are open for my 12-month online and in-person experience designed to get your business to the next level, whatever that looks like for you. The Action Takers Mastermind helps women business owners like you to get the clarity you need, to be able to get genuine information on what's possible, what's working, what's a waste of time, to develop your overall strategy, help give you feedback on ideas, different perspectives and skills, give you introductions to new clients, ups to the new opportunities in the field, access to an amazing community, and so much more. During the 12 months, you're going to get strategy sessions with me, emergency hot seat calls, implementation sessions, co-working days, monthly mindset coaching, 12-month access to our daily um, VIP group, access to other guest mentors, monthly guest experts. We've got two one-day live events at the Gold Coast and so much more. If this is sounding like something you'd be interested, the 12-month Action Takers Mastermind, like I said, doors are open now. And if you're needing this to make sure that your business gets elevated, that you step into the new version of you and Shed 1.0 version, then let's make 2022 your best year ever. Head to AngelaHenderson.com.au and simply click on the services page, click on Mastermind, and then book in a call for us to chat to make sure it's the right program for you. Now let's get into this awesome, awesome episode. Two of my favorite humans in the whole wide world, Cherie from the Amazing Digital, Digital Picnic and Denise Duffield-Thomas from Denise Duffield-Thomas. It is so fun to have you both here today, where we're gonna be sharing just as a panel as three successful women who also have ADHD and how you can have ADHD, but still be doing amazing things in the world. So just a quick intro, Cherie, can you just give us a quick little intro because not everyone may know you, who you are, where you're from, where you you know what you get up to on every day, and then we'll let Denise share with us.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, everyone. My name's Sheree um, and I'm the founder of The Digital Picnic, which is a digital marketing agency based in Melbourne, um, which is definitely not the most livable <laughs> city for the last two years, but I still love her. Um, and, yeah, I've um, just been sort of building on what would be definitely a special interest of mine, which has always been what I'm doing now. It's just that it has, you know, um, I guess it's just a recognised job now, but honestly from, and I've shared this story online, but, you know, when I was 14 years old and that was the age that I was when the internet sort of first arrived in, you know, my little home and I connected up and that was it for me. It was game over. So um, now I do this professionally and I love what I do and I've got a really great team around me to help me uh, with what we're working on. So it's Mm -hmm. good to be here today.
0: Fantastic. And how many team members do you have now, Cherie? Uh, We have 19. 19. I, 16 was in my head from the last time we talked, but I haven't chatted for a while, so I wasn't too sure. 19 amazing team members. So fantastic. And good old Denise. I'm just switching screens so I can see you, my love. How are you down in Hi. Newcastle? How do you can,
2: fabulous.
0: Uh, thanks, my friend. And now can you share with the audience a little bit about you and what you get up to?
2: Sure. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. So I am a money mindset coach. So I help entrepreneurs deal with any of the money gremlins that they might have that stop them from charging what they're worth or asking for money and um and I do that through my books and my course money boot camp so I've been running that now for over 10 years and um and I live in Newcastle
0: Dude, fantastic. I love it. Now, today's topic, ADHD. I've got a couple. I didn't want to do slides, but I did want to give a little bit of an information. We're going to talk about ADHD, but one of the things, and that's why I wanted to bring on Shereen Denise, is ADHD looks very different for every human being in general, but it looks also very different between how boys present and how females present. So I kind of just wanted to start a little bit about what, again, and this is a generalization, but again, some of the ADHD presentations that we see in girls. For example, misses important dates, often stuck by perfectionist tendencies, um, strong emotional responses to small things, messy room and or school bag, if you're thinking about, oh, what you may have been like as a child, right? Constantly loses or misplaces things, appears not to listen, Devours a book but can't start a book review, gets lost in dreams, overwhelmed by too many instructions, easily distracted, very talkative and fidgety, often blurts out answers and interrupts, struggles with maintaining relationships, low self-esteem, potentially many interests but rarely sticks to one, and could be driven to action by last-minute deadlines. All right. Again, these all look very different. This is something that I actually saw Denise e post recently on your personal page. But again, one of the sources for this said, Keywell would like to close the end of ADHD Awareness Month with a reminder that early diagnosis is the gift to life. They went on to say that mortality rates double if you are diagnosed after the age of 18. Right. And if you are a girl, your life expectancy is further reduced Then you are a boy. And it says early treatment for ADHD can change the future for almost anyone you love, all right? So again, I wanna give a little bit of context about that. The last thing that I wanna give some context about before we jump in is there's another little thing, is the gender differences. And again, I know this is a broad generalization, okay? But I won't get into my ex-clinical hat here. But boy symptoms, again, are more obvious typically and more extreme typically. Things like impulsivity or acting out, hyperactivity, running and climbing, lack of focus, physical aggression can also be one of those things. Girls can also be a lot less obvious, hence why they are saying that's the reason why so many of us have gone so undiagnosed for so many years, right? We are often, again, being withdrawn, low self-esteem. We're not, we're quite more inattentive. So again, kind of retreating, uh, reverting back to our inner selves. And again, uh, the verbal aggression can be teasing, taunting, or name calling. Again, our symptoms all look very different. So for you ladies, Cherie, and for Denise, I'd love for you, Cherie, just to share a little bit about what do your ADHD symptoms look like for you um, specifically?
1: Yeah, Okay. Not a lot on that list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I cannot recall in 38 years ever name calling or taunting anyone. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd love anyone in my life to call me out on that, but I'm pretty sure I can confidently say I've never done that. Mm -hmm. I'm also, you know, there are a few things. So definitely I can identify with the perfectionism that has been just my Achilles heel in life. Um, So when the ADHD descriptions, um, you know, get spoken about and especially for women, it's the forgetting things and the forgetting your car keys and um, losing mobile phones and everything like that. Um, and I do, but I don't, if you know what I mean um, in that I work so hard to just not do that, you know? Uh, so I, um, our, our home is honestly immaculate, but it's it, it's exhausting to live like that. So I'm never late to anything. I've never been late to anything in my entire life. I rolled in while you were talking about um, the hippos being river horses, which was amazing. I'll remember that forever. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, I, I just I'm never late because I have to set up such exhausting buffers. So for a school day, I'm up at five, you know, and that's so I can get out. And get the kids to school by nine. So while everyone's still sleeping, if I were to still sleep, we would be late to school. So I think I would be some of those things that you described, but it's just that um, I've just kind of mapped out my life so that I avoid the typical things that bring me down or try to bring me down because of my particular brain. Um, and the only thing I would say is that it, um, is really tiring, you know? So, um, once I started medication, it was like having a little glimpse into a neurotypicals mind. And I was just like, wow, (laughs) you can literally stay on task, you know, and, um, wake up a little bit later and still not be late and stressed and angry and, you know, so on. So, yeah. yeah all right. Way. Well,
0: the, thank you for sharing that. Because like I said, I, the whole thing is I want to paint because so many times people want to put everyone in boxes, right? It has to look this way or else I don't have it. But all of us have very different presentations. So thank you for sharing that to start with, Cherie. Denise, what about you, my friend?
2: Um. So I actually only got diagnosed this year and it was because my five-year-old, um, his daycare flagged that he was exhibiting some ADHD behaviors, but more of the typical boy stuff so i started um researching it a little bit more and and realizing that you know that's when you see all the women and how it you know presents to them but i think the reason why it wasn't so obvious for me growing up is because i think everyone in my family has it mm-hmm. and so my mom had me at 17 we moved every 4 to 6 months so we kind of live this life where she was the disorganized one, and I felt like I was just kind of um, having to overcompensate for that. But I would lose my keys and my bus pass every single day at school. I never knew when assignments were due. And so I learned to, you know, do, read a whole book in half an hour to do a whole assignment on the way to school, you know, on the bus. And I actually didn't see that as a negative for a long time because I just thought, wow, it's so cool having this superpower Even when I was in a corporate job, I would do my whole week's worth of work between like two and five on a Friday because like Monday, what's the point starting Monday, Tuesday, I'll start tomorrow, Wednesday, hump day, Thursday, I'll start it tomorrow and then Friday, oh, may as well start after lunch. And so I was what I didn't realize, though, that living that way had me in a constant state of fight or flight. And, um, and I could do it. And like Sheree, like I've never been late to anywhere, but I, it takes a lot for me to get there just on time. And it's like, I had to learn how to manipulate time and space around me to, to get somewhere on time. And that's, you don't realize how much energy that takes up all of those, all of those layers. So I've only been on medication for um, a couple of months. I want to say four months. I don't even know what is time. And, um, and what it's shown me is that it hasn't taken away any of that amazing creativity and that speed that I have, but it makes it both easier to start things and it makes it easier to finish things. And, um, and that's been so valuable for me because I think I just had this perception that, oh, like I'm a last minute person I'm really lazy I'm really like such a procrastinator and not realizing just how much effort it takes to just get started or how much effort it could take to finish things so yeah that was me I just thought I was the normal one and all my family were crazy and disorganized turns out I was there as well
0: So listen, again, very different. And like you said, it's only since the little ones started to come around. You started daycare. know you reached out going, I think, Ange, can I pick your brain a little bit about what this might look like? We had multiple conversations about it, right? For me, it was I wasn't formally diagnosed until probably what well, was four and a half years ago when I hit rock bottom with getting bullied from my corporate job, where I was also diagnosed at that stage with clinical depression and also anxiety. Um, so for me, it was like that writing was always on the wall. Also, as an ex-mental health clinician, I kind of already diagnosed myself. It was that stage when I too started looking at medication. For me, I'm similar. It's like I'm never late. I'm super organized actually, but I still, even though my, I can be so organized and my clients are very grateful that I am you know can get back to them, the reality of it is, is I will still walk into the kitchen and don't know why I'm in the kitchen. What did I do? I will go to get something for a client and I need to go on Instagram to get it. But then an hour later, I'm like, why was I on Instagram? And it's not till that email that's prompted me to go back and be like, oh yeah, that's what I was looking for, right? So I almost have to leave a lot of clues in my life so that I don't forget things. When I was also diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety, they also gave me a provisional diagnosis of OCD because as a child, I had to write lists for everything. And that's probably how I finished high school and university and my master's degree. And and I do what I do. Uh, Even to the point when the psychiatrist saw, saw me one day, he's like, how many times have you written that list that you brought to me today? And I said, oh, funny you mentioned that. I just rewrote it in the waiting area. And he's like, yes, exactly, right? So again, present very differently. I was medicated. Uh, and it was a really it was good for me at the, uh, the part that was good for being medicated. It was at the same time my son got medicated. So I appreciated uh, understanding what my body felt like as a way to understand what he was also going through. However, I remember the first day, uh, normally I can, I can do super focused work and get done, you know, five or six blog articles in a day. And I remember reaching out to my friends in mental health going, you guys, this is weird. Like I've only been able to do one blog article today. And they're like, oh no, that's just a normal human. That's just what normal humans brains are like." They're like, "Uh, how did you like it? I was like, not good. I was like, this sucks. It's like, it's holding me up. So I personally tried the medication for some time. We try different doses and different um, medications collectively, but I haven't been medicated since probably four months of trying it. So for me, the medication did not do what I needed to do. And I preferred to kind of be in that just zone of genius and, and really had to work hard on embracing. But uh, this is my superpower uh, for me personally, because the medication really messed with me. Like I felt I was really slow and it wasn't that it was too high of dose. It just didn't work the way that I thought it was going to work. So I've chosen not to be medicated. So again, another way for you to see that you don't, you can be medicated if it works for you, but you might also not be medicated. Right. So for you, Cherie, I am curious to know what kind of prompted you to explore getting the diagnosis. Like, was there something that you're like, oh, you know, I need like the universe was giving you a nudge or what was that?
1: Yeah. uh, So, so much like Denise, it was children, you know? um, So it's so interesting that you can go your whole life and um, absolutely not be aware (laughs) that. Actually, it's you, sis, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I just really, really had no idea. I um, grew up with an autistic single father who was just, he is the most exceptional man I know. Um, I can say that loudly, knowing that my husband will probably have to hear me on the other side and he knows he's number two. It's just how it is. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's such a great dad, um, but yeah, very, very <laughs> autistic. Um you know, and uh, we just had the best childhood. Like he, we grew up in a really neuro-inclusive home. All of the accommodations were made. Um, he just thought of everything so logically. You know, um, I would always snap chairs growing up. That was one probably dead giveaway. I would just snap every piece of furniture I came across because I was a really tactile kind of adhd um, and everything would get broken. And um, if I was, you know, somewhere else with any other relatives, I'd be in a lot of trouble. And, you know, because it was the 80s, I would also be smacked. Um, but with Dad, I was never, he never raised a hand. And he was just so gentle. Um, and he was just like, we'll just buy um, the equivalent of what is now wobble chairs, you know. So he went and got those. Um, and I just, I just lived in a really great way that celebrated my brain. I had no idea that it was different, nor did he. Um And then I became a mother <laughs> um and you know it was just so hard um because i couldn't really control everything anymore um you know all of the exhausting things that both Denise and Angela have identified as you know ways to cope with our different brains um I lost control of that completely because you know you can't control babies and um children and now I'm learning preteens my god hold <laughs> oh, <God>. me <laughs> oh lord help me lord it's help hard. me <laughs> um so yeah um and then exactly like denise said um except a little bit later because I'm not really captain obvious and uh, it was our son's you know principal who said hey you might want to get your son checked out and i was like oh. i just remember being offended <laughs> um wouldn't have anything to do with rejection sensitivity <laughs> disorder. I was like, how dare you? <laughs> Internally, I wouldn't say it out loud. Um, but I did say something along the lines of, look, hey, wouldn't it be great if we just, you know, accepted a little bit of quirk in our lives rather than having to give it a label? Um, and then Dad was diagnosed with autism and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And once Shane, um, you know, stood on, I guess, the podium, I was like, all right, let's do this, you know. Um, so Max was diagnosed and then, um, the neuropsych, uh, said, you know, Hey, very gently, just so beautifully, very, you know, she's such a neuroaffirmative soul, but she was like, when are you, when are you going (laughs) to get checked out? And I was like, Oh, really? (laughs) Um, and yeah, got checked out and actually I have like the blend. So it's called Audi HD. So autism meets ADHD and it's, it's tough. I find it really lonely because, um, ADHD blends in a different way and I can't always completely relate to straight up ADHD and I also can't relate to straight up autism um, so I actually find it a little bit lonely um, but I'm carving out just a little path in what I refer to as ADHD um so it's just a smidge different you know um, but I like it now I like it so that's where that's how I landed here basically
0: mm-hmm. No, thank you for sharing. And again, I like, like you said, it's it's that blend, right? And that's actually my next question, which again, you kind of, you brought that segue in is, you know, core comorbidity is what we call it t- technically in that clinical world, right? Um, which is, um, you know, when you have a blend of two or more diagnoses together. And so for me personally is I have the ADHD. I did have anxiety and depression. Obviously I have that had that in remission for a while, but I still have those OCD type characteristics and it's not uncommon to have more than one thing going on in your world, right? Yeah. We also know that drug addiction, addiction collectively, drug and our alcohol is also high for us in the ADHD space because it does become lonely. Uh, we don't have a lot to turn to. So we turn to that. doesn't necessarily help us because again, alcohol, for example, is a depressant and there's other things that can really not help with that. But again, it does go hand in hand. So I know you've talked about the, you know, I've talked about my comorbidity, you've talked about yours. And Denise, do you have more than one thing going
2: Going on also? Um, So a lot of things run in my family so um, my cousin had um, severe OCD looking back now seeing um, how a lot of my aunties had depression and anxiety one of my aunties is being um, diagnosed with bipolar and now I'm in a lot of those groups it seems like um, that some people that's where they get diagnosed first and it might not be that thing so I'm kind of looking at our whole family history with different eyes and um looking back now to every couple of years i would go and see someone and say i think there's something wrong with me like i don't i don't feel good and so i went down all of these routes because no one ever mentioned that they were like oh well it sounds like you had a bit of a like you know a bit of a interesting childhood maybe it's that so i thought oh yeah i've just got all this like trauma from from that and then um okay well we'll scan your brain nope nothing there and it wasn't until last year where I didn't have any of my normal coping mechanisms, like just realizing how much going away for conferences probably just gave me that little like dopamine hit that there was always something to look forward to. And then suddenly I'm just at home all all of the time. And so I, for the first time in my life, took anxiety medication last year. And I thought that was it. Um, And I thought, oh, great. I figured out what's wrong with me. It's anxiety. And um, it wasn't until then I you know, went down the route to try medication and I said to my doctor, I'm okay to to not take the anxiety one cuz I just want to test out and see if it is ADHD or anxiety. And um and so I haven't had any anxiety meds for probably about a year and I think it's yeah, it's interesting to see that you know, I've probably got a few of those other little things like definitely a little bit of the OCD from um from my family but I think really it is, it does seem to be quite pure ADHD for me, which is, it's just so validating to go, uh, validating, but also annoying thinking how many times, you know, I, I went to go and ask for help. Even as a, as a kid, I had trichotillomania as a kid. So for me, that wasn't pulling out hair. It was twisting hair because I didn't know anything about that. I needed fidgets that I needed something, and um, I read obsessively at school. And so my teachers would let me read in school. And so I didn't see any of those things as a, a symptom of anything. Um, and now a, a lot of my self-soothing behavior, behaviors have completely disappeared, which is great.
0: No, Thank you again for sharing that. In. You know, ADHD, as I said earlier, it looks different for everyone. And one of the things for me is I've had to embrace it actually as my superpower. I do believe that I am where I am today because of the ADHD. And once I kind of embraced it and turned that shit on and realized that you are going to have a million ideas at any one time. And when my team tell me, Ange, listen, there's a lot on our plates. Uh, You know, you know, we got to slow down. My, My ass ain't slowing down. We're only moving forward. Right. So it's one of those things that I'm like, well, if you're not on the bus, leave, you know, and they're not. Like that, but I'm just like find someone else, hire someone else because the brain isn't slowing down. I'm here to make an impact, and I'm really, really passionate about being able to look at this not as a deficit, but this is a positive. So I'm curious to know in your space, Sheree, with um with you know with your diagnoses and stuff, like what positive have come from it? Because obviously, yes, you know, at the very beginning, I talked about. Okay, here are the labels. I hate labels. I mean, they fucking suck, but it's the world that we live in. But how have you reframed it potentially as a positive or how have you embraced it? And maybe have, you maybe haven't. I don't know. But what good has it allowed you to, again, empathy maybe, sympathy, thinking of others? Like what, what, what benefits have you seen with this?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, so everything. <laughs> mm. um, marriage, mm. friendships the way I work with my team, um, even my relationship with my in-laws, a deeper connection with my dad who really is not just a best friend but, like, a soulmate to me, Mm -hmm. Um, I just make sense. I I can retain friends better now. Um, I used to have a pretty um, not-so-great, like, retention rate (laughs) with Mm -hmm. friends, um, which we would call in digital marketing land because I would let them down. (laughs) Um, you know, I would forget things. Um, yeah, I just I forget to reply to text messages. I'm not very good at banter. Um, I find it just honestly really boring. And so I would always think I'm not going to subject you to, hey, you know, how's your day? But they would want that from me. Um, so yeah, I, I was losing friends. Um and now I can give something a name and also hilariously I look I don't have a large friendship group it's just not how I roll in life I've got I'm an introvert I've got a small friendship group but the friends that I have are like chef's kiss like you just couldn't honestly wish for better friends than the ones that I have um and hilariously they're all yeah autistic or ADHD all on the spectrum there's one uh one only that is neurotypical actually which is I don't even know how that happened, you know, um, but neurokin apparently it just attracts neurokin is what I've heard, you know, so we all understand each other and we can give everything a name. So, honestly, everything has benefited in my life. I have a really great connection with my kids. Um, my daughter is ADHD. My son is autistic um, and then I'm the little blend between them. So that's the first time I've felt grateful for the blend, you know, um, and my marriage is so much better. My husband understands me more now. Uh, he used to... His, He's, oh, God, he's so loud. <laughs> he's just so loud. He's Italian and Irish and he's he doesn't know what quiet even is, you know. It just wouldn't even occur to him to even slightly, <laughs> slightly lower that, like, level. And he never knew how much. He just puts me in sensory overwhelm. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, just stop. <laughs> you know, and so now I know what to ask for. I know what accommodations I need and that's time away from him, <laughs> Um, And so like Denise said last year, especially in this year, you know, the pandemic kind of made you realise what you were relying on that you actually need that are perfectly acceptable accommodations, whatever they are. And for me, I need a lot of silence. Like I just need time to regroup, get my head back to where it's meant to be. Um, And so he would often take the kids to, um, you know, probably once a quarter he would take the kids to my in-laws in the Gamby, which is like about a two-hour drive from Melbourne, um and it was perfect so everything is improved I'm so grateful for this diagnosis um I like Denise said I can just relate sorry if I look like one of those little dogs on the cars that like bob their heads the whole time but it's just also relatable you know um but if I'd known all of this before I became a parent I know for a fact that I wouldn't have probably even gone through postnatal depression because I would have recognized how to set myself up for better maternal success, you know, just I knew I now know what went wrong. I really do, you know, um, and it was just sensory overwhelm, a reflux baby, no escape, um, no ability to ask for my what I need from my husband and I'm just I, I'm like a boss at that now. I just, you know, I, I just literally ask what I need without apology. So, yeah, i wish the diagnosis on everyone. You just feel um, like you just, you know, it's the greatest romance to fall in in love with yourself like that for the first time and forgive yourself. And, um, just, you know, you just literally fall completely head over heels in love with yourself just for who you really are, like exactly as you are. Um, yeah. So I've, I've loved falling in love with me post diagnosis.
0: yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's a good way, right? I love falling in love with me, right? Because again, there's so much of us, that self-acceptance that we struggle with, you know? And I also can relate to the noise. I have to say my kids, mommy's brain's on overboard one at a time, right? Like I need you one at a time, but why can't you keep up is what they tell me. I'm like, I can't, I can only do it like one of you. So please shut up before mama goes crazy, right? But I can't handle the noise. I also can't handle people eating with their mouth open. Like I can hear noise from literally like, eight rooms away and I'm like cringing like I start shaking right because I'm like um, it's not that it has nothing to do with respect or anything like that it's generally the noise it's too much for my brain and I always struggle with like why do I feel like exploding when people do this and then again when I got the diagnosis and a few other things it all started kind of make sense and I was a lot more gentle and a lot more kinder with myself right Uh, Denise what about you in regards to now that you know what you know again I know it's only been recent but you know, how has this helped you put a positive spin versus like, you know, some people get those diagnoses and it's like, poor me, life sucks, life's over. But how have you it into a positive for you?
2: You know, I was so thrilled by it. And even when um, George's school mentioned it for him, it was just like this light bulb came on for me because Mark and I were doing couples counseling, just talking about how frustrated we were with George. And so it was just like, Oh, and even, you know, Sheree, I'm nodding as well for everything you're saying, but um, I found um, being a mom, and I still do because my kids are so young, I find it incredibly frustrating. And um, that was a very lonely place to be because I was in these moms groups and they're like, it's so fulfilling and so great. And I was like, I just want to throw my baby into the ocean and run away. And it's so overwhelming physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. Um, And so I actually now a lot of the things I've put into place, I've been doing it for years. So I must have known. So one thing is I do nothing at home, like nothing. I do not do laundry. I do not do any cleaning. I do not do any cooking. I do not do any errands. Um, And so I would if I had to really like cut down expenses, I would rather do everything in my business myself than do anything at home because um, my housekeeper was away. So we have a a a four-day-a-week housekeeper, four-day-a-week nanny, cleaner, dog walkers. We've got so many people to help. And um, my housekeeper was away. And so I was like, I might do some laundry. And I spent an hour in the laundry room trying to hack the best laundry system. Um, And I was like going, okay, here's how, oh, my God, this is how we're going to, you know, separate all the things. And then I was like putting them in the washing machine and I was like, what's the best way to hang everything out so it dries in an optimal way? And then what's the best way to fold it up and put it away? And I realized I just spent all this brain power on something that doesn't make me money. And actually, it was making me starting to make me feel really overwhelmed because then I was like, what if my housekeeper isn't doing it this right way? And now I'm going to have to tell her how to do it this right way. Um, and so I had a I had a bit of shame about how much outsourcing I have at home because I thought it was because i was lazy or i wasn't like maternal or whatever it was and now i realize just how much that stuff sucks um sucks my energy and so it's money well spent for me and i always think of like my granddad like he would go to work he'd come home he'd put his feet up and he didn't have a single bit of guilt and so when people like occasionally someone will try and shame me for it and i say well like, if it was the reverse, nobody would blink an eye at a dad going, no, nope, I don't cook. And I don't expect Mark to do any of those things either. We outsource it together, right? And it benefits him. Um, so that's the best thing that I think that I've just reframed because I already did it anyway. The other thing is um, I love batching stuff. So I batch my podcast production. I batch social media. And um just realizing for me how satisfying that is to pick one thing and just like just hyper focus on it like a mofo so batching is just when you do the same thing like in one go so for example this week I hired a podcast studio for two days and I recorded 33 episodes of my podcast so that takes me to like June next year because I'm sat there And each episode is about 25 minutes. So it was like 13 hours of talking. But I've trained for that my whole life. And now I get paid for it. And so um, I love doing that. And I do the same with social media. I did 150 days worth of posts in one day because I just sit there and I I hope hyper-focus on it. But I think the big change that I've made from that is realizing how much I need to Get the right team around me to understand that behavior, because now that I've done my two days in the studio, I never want to hear about that podcast ever again. So then you have to have people who understand. Okay, well then I will. Um, Denise has delivered those podcasts to me. Now we'll get them all transcribed. Now we'll do all the graphics at the same time. We'll schedule them out, and it never has to come back to me. And it's been it's been tricky finding the right people for it, and it's been tricky training my husband, Mark, who's our launch manager, that he can't come and say, Hey, I need a video. I go, no, you fucking don't. You get it on the day that I'm going to hyperfocus and do 50 videos. You don't, so Denise, can you talk a little bit
0: about, there. because there could be some confusion. I mean, I know Shree and I are like, again, we're doing the dog thing nogging because we get it, but yep. can you explain to others what does hyper focus is kind of like quote unquote, a tendency they say that us ADHDers have, right? Can you talk about yep. what does hyper focus mean?
2: totally you know when you have that thing you get really into doing something and you just have to finish it and it feels really really good or even if you're reading a book and you have to stay awake all night to finish it so this is what I now especially with medication this is how I get with um, like with work so um, in the podcast studio I'm like I just want to sit there and just think about this one thing for a short, intense period of time and think about nothing else. And the way that works with me with social media content is that I use a scheduler and so I can see ahead of time and it's like like filling in a puzzle. So you know when you're doing a puzzle and you go, oh, I'll do the corner pieces and then I'll get all the straight pieces and then you just have to finish it. Like you get obsessed with finishing something or you get obsessed with something for a little period of time and then you're over it. That's that's how I am with work. So I use that superpower by usually building in some accountability around that. So hiring a podcast studio, hiring a film guy to come to my house. And then I just go, how much can I do in this time? And it's so much fun and really satisfying to do it but as I said you need the team then who doesn't come back and go like oh hang on what title do you want for this podcast it's like no no I've I've done it all now I never I'm not I don't want to think about it for another six months
0: so that hyper focus period yeah because what I experienced is once I'm out of the hyper focus period I'm like fuck off it's done it's no longer fun are you the same way Cherie like you hit the hyper focus and you do you lose interest what for you
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. And um, in Aughty land, we call it like almost pathological demand avoidance. So it's like you can place what they believe is the most, you know, basic request of a person, but you have this pathological demand avoidance. Like, and it's for me, it's usually associated with if the dopamine ain't there, I'm not there either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Now, Denise, you mentioned something, and I and I want to talk a little bit more because I know Sheree, you've done a really great job at developing your team over the years. Even if I'm correct in saying, even before the diagnosis came into play, would I be correct in saying that? And so, the importance of asking for help and putting the right people on the bus. Right? Not everyone is going to get our brains. My team has had to learn that Angela's not slowing down. So if that's not the right fit for you, that's cool. I'll find someone who is the right fit. Right? Um, also, asking for help. You know, I, I've just recently hired uh, two, to two hours a day, the last three weeks she's been with me, a house manager. I can tell you that shit is fucking game changer. She comes in from 7.30 to 9.30. She does the launch. She puts a lot of laundry on. She does this. She does the cooking. Everything's done. I walk out and everything's fucking organized. It bought back 10 hours of my time to reduce the stress in my home and allow my brain to be more settled than ever before, right? So the essence of what Denise is saying, outsourcing. I had a lot of shame. My father, he was the one I was like, I'm just going to tell. And he just looked at me and he goes, kid, you do what you need to do. Times have changed these days, right? Where I thought he'd be like, who are you? You should be able to do it all so the importance of asking for help building team that get how our brains work but sheree can you expand on a little bit because you've got the biggest team of all of us what have you had to do to put in place for your team to work best with you and for you to work best with your team because you're dealing with 19 other personalities and different of their own needs
1: yeah sure um i don't know i think um i'm just really lucky because um you know, a lot of neurodiverse people have what they call special interests, and my special interest is people and culture and organisational leadership. Um, I can't stop reading about it. You know, I can't stop listening to podcasts about it. I will never stop, you know, paying whatever I pay per annum to learn more about how to be a better leader. Um, so I have to say that it's not really a struggle. Um, we just keep hiring the right people. We have encountered the wrong hires too, but it hasn't been often. But honestly, it's been twice. Um, and you know each time it's ended beautifully you know it's just sat down had an honest discussion what are you looking for out of your career you know and then we've realized it's not something with us you know and so you know that's fine it happens when you build a team um you're not going to have all the wins you know but who we have around at the moment just we they're just exceptionally good talented kind great human beings like they make me a better person I hope that I positively influence them as well Um, I think I would say um, the thing that I benefit from most especially in our senior management team is hiring people who have that intrapreneur quality so they don't really want to be the entrepreneur but they're an intrapreneur they're like they're like your right hand you know woman or man or non-binary I don't mind whatever gender as long as they're my right hand person and they, um, they just care so much about the business as if it were their own. It doesn't mean they work excessive hours, it's nothing like that, where, you know, we've got to be more France approach, where we all try to finish by 5pm. Um, but they just care so much, and they're all in, and they don't want their own business, they just want so badly for our business to succeed as if it as if it were their own. Um, not every person within TDP is an entrepreneur that would be honestly hectic, <laughs> um, but uh, especially our, I can think right now a managing director, our head of social, and so on. Um, my gosh, you know, just absolute entrepreneurs. So, and then because they are entrepreneurs, they can handle my. You know, yeah, I'm I'm a lot, <laughs> and I know that. But you know that they can handle it, and they like it. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, they sometimes just have to accept that I've gone already bird's eye view on a particular situation it's really frustrating you know because I can see solutions in a really different way to other people and it's I can only describe it Denise did a good analogy before of like pieces of puzzles coming together and so on but for me I often feel like a bird flying up above my business's kind of like sky and I can I'm already somewhere else like I'm like oh no not here you know I'm like way over somewhere else and it's frustrating to try and attract buy-in when you're so clearly seeing a vision uh, and it's really hard to articulate that to, you know, your team. Um, But, you know, I I just have to say, I'm not struggling with it. I love my team. Um, There's, there are no challenges that aren't conquerable. Um, And I guess for me, I just try, I just talk so openly about my Audi HD sort of profile so that they hear the language more and learn about lived experiences and they they therefore realize for me and I I know I say this from a privileged position where how I present doesn't feel like a disability Um, but I understand that especially some autistic folk have significant disabilities associated with their autism diagnosis but I'm just I'm, I'm not that person and the reason why for me is you know outside of the obvious it's just the fact that it's a disability when the right accommodations aren't in place you know for me when you've got the right accommodations in place I feel really able just like everyone in this room today you know when I'm not feeling able it's because there isn't there's there's an there's a particular accommodation missing you know so uh, and that's so easily conquerable you know so um, yeah I, I just I I don't know. I I feel really happy. I I, I love where my business is at. I love the team that I employ. I think that they're lucky that my interest is them. Like, what a great thing to be, you know, um, around. I just, I'm obsessed with them, completely obsessed, you know, in a non-toxic, healthy, professional way, but I am completely obsessed with them. So, um, yeah, I I just, I love the way I serve them and I love the way that they serve me in return. It's just, feels really great.
0: I really liked how you recapped there the essence of but When things aren't accommodated, then you know it becomes hard. But I am able as long as people are willing to accommodate, right? So, yeah. you know, I know Denise, we've talked before about uh, when you do speaking, for example, because I know Denise, you'll be at my event next year in Civil so Cherie, and you're like, "Angie, I have to speak in the morning, do not give me an afternoon spot, I need to speak in the morning because that's mm-hmm. where my energy is, that's when I'm going to be most alive, and that's when I can. So, I even know when I was booking you for one o'clock today, I was like, Oh, the, and I hope the energy is okay, and you're like, Yes, but I'm mindful of that, right? Like, how can Going to accommodate, and if it's a morning thing, well, let's get you in the morning. You're going to have more energy. So, but I also think how we've also we we're using our voices, right, to not only make a bigger impact, but also to educate our team on how we work and what we need. Because if we don't do that, I would suspect that things would look very messy if we're not able to, you know, say we need to make this uh, accommodation. Now, as as I hope you can see today you've got you know three amazing humans doing three amazing things and and when I when I'm about to share is is that again you've got someone who's got a team of 19 and most of them are full time am I correct Sheree? Yeah. Yeah, yep, full time millions of dollars here Cherie brings in every single year serving some amazing humans in our community. Denise just had her launch, right? 16,000 leads, she made 1.2 million off the back of a 5-day launch. Right. Uh, Right. I'm a seven figure business consultant. Right. We all have ADHD. We all have uh, anxiety, depression. We've got the autism swinging in there. We've got some OD, OCD swinging in there. I brought this panel together to let you know that whatever is going on in your world, whether or not it's a diagnosis, And you don't have any diagnosis and you probably don't plan on going to get a diagnosis. The reality of it is, is you can still be successful. You can still be successful with the diagnosis. You can still be successful if you binge watch Netflix. You can be a good mom and equally a good woman in business. You can have them. Again, if you, again, in my opinion, as you choose to, right, to go and get the help, Go and ask for accommodation and do what you need to do. Just continue to be you. So that's really why I wanted to bring it together today so that people here can see that it is at your fingertips if you choose to kind of embrace it and, you know, still take action. Now, we will have some questions for I can see that there's been questions popping up. So I'm going to kind of feed them to you, Sheree, and um. One second, Denise, I'll go through. I haven't wanted to answer too many questions as we were in the middle of talking, but we'll go back to this. I think there was some around, hold on, the batching, I think is one of the things. Um, And for the rest of you, if you do have any other questions for Shreya Denise, just pop them in below. I think you said one of the questions was, how do you evolve the content example podcast episodes to current events? So, Denise, obviously you've planned till June next year. Let's just say World War yes. COVID 84 comes into town next year. How did okay. you handle that?
2: No, um, this is a really great question. And actually, I made a decision a couple of years ago that I wouldn't do too many real world things in my content. I keep my, say, for example, podcasts. I keep my co- podcasts very, very evergreen because then it's easier to do social media posts about what's happening. In the world, but not so much something that's an audio product. So, actually, what I did this time is um, I asked people, what, what do you want me to talk about? And so I just had a massive big list. I did a couple of bullet points for each one and then I just sat and, and spoke about it. But I actually went and had a look at some of the things I was writing about 10 years ago because a lot of those things are still exactly what people are struggling with. And I think we can overthink content a little bit, we can shift and change headlines, but I was like, I I found this article I did ten years ago about what new kids on the block can teach us about money, and I was like, I'm going to re-record that because why not? Um, and so yeah, I I don't um I don't do batching stuff like that necessarily. That's um topical. Mm-hmm.
1: Sheree, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, sure. Uh, we batch about a month of content in advance, and we follow something called a steps model, which has um uh, been brought to my attention by a person called Jonah Berger Um, and I just really love it it just suits the way I like to deliver content so there's always if you follow the steps model you're basically designing content with someone's particular interest in mind and I, I sort of chase like affinity and I feel like going one month in advance I'm fine with that and you know, yes, there was one time where we had an earthquake and another lockdown and, you know, um, all of the things and I just had to change, like, a couple of things. But you're right, like, as Denise said, it pretty much remains evergreen for us if we go about a month in advance um, because we um, talk mostly to things that we know the affinity is there anyway, you know, so we chase um, particular content themes that we know our audience, you know, are really interested in. And I do that following that steps model. So it's steps with a double P so S T E double P S. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love it. Follow it. It's so inspiring and it really elevates your content. Um, it's, um, someone who has researched this so much and, um, leans into like really empathy fueled, uh, sort of content approaches and radically transparent content approaches and that's you know right on par with how I like to share with the world.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. If you're not following uh, Cherie or Denise on Instagram, I would, again, very different types of, obviously you're in different types of fields, but Sheree, yeah. you have a very beautiful way of capturing stories and allowing people to actually feel the feel. So again, if you're looking at how, uh, in my opinion, captions and storytelling should be, Sheree is one of the go-to in that space for sure. Not that you're not good, Denise, but I think Sheree's got the edge on that one. She's very, it's kind of like your superpower, Sheree, is you're very good at just articulating and capturing that, the audience audience really well. So yeah, huge congrats on that one. Now, Beck asks in regards to obviously our brains when our body sometimes doesn't want to slow down. I mean, we probably can all sit there and be grinning and shaking again with that, but she asks, what do we do physically, mentally, and spiritually when there's a the drive to never slow down? She says, I just want to keep going. I'd work 24 seven if I could, but my body sometimes just can't keep up. I find rest to be boring. So it just seems like a time waster, despite the fact that I know it's essential. Denise, what are your thoughts on that one?
2: I mean, it's one of those things that I think we have a lot of guilt around and I've kind of just gone, that's just who I am. Like I'll go on holidays. I'll think about my business, but I I book in things that I have to do, like acupuncture, for example, like, yes, cool. It helps my back, but it also means I have to lie somewhere for like 20 minutes and I deliberately don't have my phone next to me. I get massages. I don't particularly like massages, but I do them because it's a little bit of a reset and also I come off the table with new ideas. You know, like you're there and having a massage, you know how they go, how do you feel? And I think, "Great, I just wrote a whole book in my head. Thanks very much for that hour." I appreciate that. And so I just I just block those things in regularly. I'm not good at taking holidays, but like I have a massage every 3 weeks. I have a facial every 3 weeks. I get my hair done every Monday. Um, and they're non-negotiables, and so I have to also leave the house because otherwise I would be happy staying at home. I have an amazing office. I I'd be ha- I'd live here if I could, right? And so I just have to book things in to make me leave the house and and slow down because I won't otherwise. And I'm I'm kind of cool with that it's against superpower a bit, but I get good ideas when I do. So that's how I justify it to myself. <laughs>
0: I think for me personally, it's one of those things that, again, I've had to accept that this is just who I am. I'm not going to go and fucking do a candle workshop. I'm sure as fuck not going to go run a marathon. Do you know what I mean? If you guys ever see any of that on my socials, please call 911 or triple O because there's something wrong, okay? It's just not not now. So for me, I've just had to learn that, like, listen, my brain goes a million. Again, I work on holidays. Uh, I work first thing in the morning, again, and it's always, even when my kids are little or where they are now, they know that I'll check in on my emails for an hour. So we all go to breakfast together. I Dale typically takes them back to the room. He gets their swimmers, their sunscreen on, and I work for an hour. But they know that once that laptop closes, I'm with them. But they also know that once their asses are in bed, mama's leaving again to go out and do work for a couple hours, right? There's I've had to learn that there's no wrong or right way about what you do as long as you feel good about it, you know? Um, physically, again, I move with my dog. That's probably about all the movement you're probably going to see me do again. Pilates once in a while. But again, because it doesn't necessarily light me up, I'm doing it because I hope to be around longer for my kids. It, It kind of feels like a bit of like a chore sometimes where I'm just like, let me just be in my zone people say, what hobbies do you have? This one kind of pisses me off sometimes. I'm like, I just like reading business books and I don't really watch TV and I do things with my kids and hang out with the husband. But, you know, really like, I just, I like my business. I like what I do. I like mastermind I like learning. And just because again, I'm not candle making or do you know what I mean? Watching TV doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It just means that this is what fills me up. So I've personally just had to learn about what fills me up and just kind of run my own race course on that. Uh, Spirituality wise, again, Because of the five deaths I've had in the last three years of my grandmother passing on Christmas, my brother on uh, Mother's Day, a father on um, New Year's Day, another friend two weeks after that, another friend just recently. You know, I've had to go down. I didn't have to do anything, but I've been working with a variety of healers. And that has been nothing but extraordinary over the time. And I'd also say there is how do I take care of myself? Again, asking for help. Uh, You know, I've got an enormous amount of team and I've spent a lot on outsourcing and I could probably have more profit and more money in my own personal bank account. But for me is literally this latest hire, that 10 hours a week of getting back 10 hours of my time. That is what's going to allow me to be a better human. Right. So that's me. What are your thoughts, Sheree?
1: Yeah, honestly, I think I would be inauthentic answering this um, by telling you that I nailed this. Um, I think I've documented pretty well how many times I've burnt out in business um, online and um, it's just, that's one of the negatives, uh, I guess, associated with ADHD. Um, I just don't seem to see it coming and I'm just trying to work really hard on understanding capacity management, you know, a little bit better. Um, Mm -hmm. But same thing um, and, you know, as, yeah, Denise and Angela have said, We had an opportunity recently to hire a personal assistant and our managing director said, well, what do you want? Like, what do they do in the office? And I'm like, (laughs) office? I said, I don't need help with emails, you know, Kat. um, I said, if we've got the budget, bring that person into my home and you'll get so much more from me at work, you know. Um, I said, I'm really sorry. And no offense to anyone here, but like, I'm not going to do that typical digital agency, cis white male thing of like, yes, please get my coffee that I don't even drink. I would love that. You know, um, that just doesn't actually serve me literally at all. I can manage my inbox. I can manage, um, you know, most things with work, but what I really need help with is stuff on the home front, you know, just someone to literally be the personal kind of like life assistant. And perhaps that's just kind of smashing the patriarchy a little bit by saying, we don't need someone to sit in an office from Monday to Friday, nine to five, you know, um, we can bring these people into our homes and have some personal assistant sort of support at home. So that's been the biggest change for me. And only in the last few months, you know, that I've brought into our business and it's making like a huge difference. I eat better. I burn out less. I can really be engaged with the kids because I'm not thinking of all the 1,001 other things that women seem to have piled onto their flipping shoulders you know mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just yeah uh, but no do I burn out still absolutely <laughs> <laughs> no uh, it's one of the deficits unfortunately but just for me I've married the right person thankfully Dave Davy boy um calls it before I do and he's like he's like that guy on that ad the Snickers ad he's like You just ain't you. (laughs) You know, you need a Snickers. And I'm like, oh, yes, true. (laughs) So, yeah, he seems to be better at calling it than I am.
0: And I think, I don't know about you, Denise and Shree, but it kind of goes in seasons too sometimes. And the season doesn't necessarily just have to be around launch. It can be that all of a sudden I've got eight new ideas because I did have a massage and now I just want to hyper-focus on those ideas, but they go for days, almost like it's not mania. So it's not right, but it's the only thing you can compare like a true kind of when I'm hyper-focused is almost like I'm a little bit manic. Like I'm just like heads down, bum up and nothing's going to stop me. Um, And when that happens, I always kind of know off the back end, my inside is now like I need to give myself probably two or three days of just like doing sweet nothing or not having client work because I know I will crash um but again I've again I've gotten used to like the crash is coming I'll be okay you're right it's not to the point of like I'm gonna end up in hospital I just know that it's just part of you know the way that the cycle and the season comes for us right so it's not necessarily all bad all right now one second uh all right i'm sitting on the fence let me say hold on someone asked where do you find these people that come into our homes i know denise you said gum tree i was fortunate enough that i've had a boy again he's a boy he's good he's 18 he's graduating but he's been doing our lawns for the last five years um very cool kid jack and then his mom used to drive him all the time and she just does not just but she chooses to do work at say like the convention center and stuff and she has her hours have been cut and i said oh my goodness i'm still looking for someone for 10 hours a week and she's like oh my gosh I'm in so it just so happened like I was putting it out onto um different local groups but nothing came and again divine timing the universe Paula was there and it just was a right fit what about you Cherie where did you find your personal help um Facebook
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um yeah and brought that person in and uh, we've got to be extra careful because that person like interacts with our children um both neurodiverse so um I only want neuroaffirmative souls in our home. I don't want anyone just squashing all of the good stuff we're trying to build with our children about really positively embracing their autistic and ADHD identity. Mm-hmm. So I just just want to say for anyone asking, we, we have experienced the wrong hire there. I just brought someone in recently that was disastrous, you know, and uh, it was really really bad you know just um Denise you said that you worried about people sort of say shaming you and that person definitely did it was my first ever attempt to get that kind of support and this person made me feel really terrible (laughs) for needing her services and I was like hang on I can't figure this out you need the money right and I need the support so surely this should just be working but yeah it was really bad um so lots of shaming, um, kept referring to my son as ASD. We don't, we point blank refuse ASD. It's not a disorder for us. So um, we said we don't use ASD, we use autism or, or, or autistic. Um, so, uh, but she was like, oh, that's ridiculous. What what a crock of shit, you know? And basically said that to my face. I'm like, all right, so you can leave. <laughs> um, you're not going to fit in here, you know? So that wasn't a great start. And I think for a little bit, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this again, but we did. And we ended up bringing in someone who was, um, the digital picnic studio assistant. Um, And it's just perfect. Absolutely perfect. She's been, she started as our nanny became the studio assistant um, and tried marketing elsewhere and hated it and said, please, can I come back? And I'm like, please, can you come back? And she's like family. She's like a little sister, uh, sometimes a daughter, um, a bestie, you know, and I just couldn't be without her. And my kids adore her and she's improving their self-esteem and just so good for them you know and she's on top of the house stuff for me as well and a bit of life admin as well so sometimes you don't hear the three of us saying that this has been how I've achieved my success and don't think oh great well first hire will just be fantastic for us it was disastrous (laughs) (laughs) um but it doesn't matter because you know it's how you bounce back from you know those lessons Mm -hmm. yeah 100,
0: and thanks for showing that again, finding the right person, regardless if it's at home or in the office, right? If they're yeah. not going to fit in the right on the bus, then they need to get off the bus, right? And being able to know that you are going to have to probably fire people and let people go. It's just like, I don't know any business owner that hasn't had to do that, right? And it's uncomfortable. But again, it's your business. You're the CEO. You've got to make the decisions that are best for your family, you, and obviously your business. If someone asked, how did we get diagnosed uh, for me? i was seeing the gp the gp then referred me to the psychiatrist the psychiatrist had me do some squ- like scaling questions write down family history uh, but he also was like listen you know you pretty much already know this is what you have because of my you know x mental health diagnosis most people they laugh at you they think it's like a google i pretty much knew that everything that was going on that was me but you still have to go through a process in order to get the actual diagnosis uh, what was it for you denise
2: Um, yeah, same. It's, and the problem is there's really long wait lists at the moment. So it took me probably about seven months to see the psych. I prepared so nervously. I created like this big poster of like my whole life from zero to now and like how it's impacted me. So he just was like, why did you come? And then I just went for 50 minutes and then he goes, okay, pee in a cup and you can have some meds. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's a long, long process at the moment.
1: Yeah. Mm You too, Sheree? Uh, Pretty much exactly the same. Uh, I just want to share in case this helps anyone. um, When I was diagnosed, I was thrown straight onto medication um, and it was a disaster. So don't, again, just like I shared that, you know, hiring story just before. um, My first attempt at medication was 2020. It was two weeks into Melbourne's first lockdown um, I've heard that it's not a great time to start Ritalin <laughs> um, and I'm a really, really gentle soul um, and we have uh, security camera activity that Dave has set up my husband and um, I, I lost it. I just became the incredible Hulk. There was one day I'll never forget. It was the worst. It was, I don't mind sharing this, but please know this is actually a really vulnerable kind of share. So um, I'll try to with caution and I trust that you won't judge, um, but I, sort of I really lost it on this medication and I had to uh, go outside into the backyard and I was like punching the air, like actually punching air out of just this rage that I'd never experienced before. It was like a surge of, I don't know, testosterone or something. I don't know what it was. I've never recognised anger like that before. And it really scared me. I started crying, you know, and I, was, I did punch, you know, the side of our house with my own fist, which was the lowest moment for me. Um, and I went straight back to the GP and I'm like, um, (laughs) this is not, I'm not having a great time on this. And he took me straight off and he said, you know, um, probably should have told you about the role that cortisol plays and we're in a lockdown and it's the beginning of this pandemic. And, and I was like, that would have been honestly great to know because it really scared me. You know, I just, I'm really seriously gentle and that was really terrifying uh, but I just started it again—the same drug, the same medication—this um, year, uh, about four months ago, and I'm having a really different experience. So I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, sometimes hormones or right before your period plays a big role in in medication as well for women. Um, that's mm-hmm. something to really do some research on the role that menstruation plays before you start those medications. So just go easy on yourself and um, study the science so that you can recognise if something's going wrong, you might be able to figure out why. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel so much better now on the medication. I love it. I can't believe how different the experience is. But just for for Lulz, it's that whole experience of the Incredible Hulk moment is caught on camera. (laughs) So it sent a recording to my husband at work and he was like, are you okay?" And I'm like, do I look okay? I'm really just out here punching air, Dave, so (laughs) we are not okay." Um so, yeah, that'll be captured. That's recorded and we're going to use it when I up, end up in an aged care facility one day and then we can show all the nurses how much of a badass I was in 2020.
0: <laughs> Again, but that's the thing though, right? Yeah. Uh, understanding yourself and having the insight because the medication can... Ad- one type of medication doesn't work for everyone, you know, yeah. and with Ritalin in particular, when I used to, you know, see it with my own patients is that come three to four o'clock, there's a thing called rebounding when it's, if you don't have another dose, it can come and it can spark enormous rage to where again, and Finley was initially on Ritalin and he too was punching walls, like angry, like, I mean, super fucking angry. Again, yeah. they didn't, I'd seen it before, but when it's your own kid, you're kind of like, what's going on. But then also, 50% of the human population has underlining ticks. And when you have a stimulant, the ticks can actually come out. So the next medication we saw Finley have a motor tick and a verbal tick that wasn't there before too. So at nighttime, again, keeping in mind my ADHD and I can't handle noises, for 45 minutes to an hour, all I heard him doing was sniffing. <laughs> Cause the more tired you get to the more likely the ticks are to come out. And I was like, what? The, I was like, I literally walked around. I don't have my headphones. I had those Boise headphones and I'd have to put them on. Cause I was re- like, I wasn't about to start punching walls but, and I wasn't on medication. That's it. Cause I was like, I can't handle this. What's going on. And then I was like, oh my goodness, Angie, it's a tick. And then he got this other one that went like this and it just kept going and going. So we had to get him. So for Finley in particular, we've had to try four medications to find the right one for his body. And we're predicting as we go into adolescence, it will change again with the release of all the hormones, right? So also, if you're entering perimenopausal, like myself, all right, the hormones are changing enormously. So if you are off getting diagnosed, be mindful too that not only about your period and your menstrual cycle, but also about what is, what everything else is going on in your body too. Like it's not, and try not to get too deflated if you've got to potentially try something else. Uh, and like I said, medication might not it's not doesn't work for me, but again, I do see a massage therapists, do I you mean healers, and other things that do work. So know that there's a bunch of different ways that you can skin a cat too when you're looking if you do need to get diagnosed all right um, all right, well, ladies, we've got two more minutes, so we will start to wrap things up. But I hope you all found this useful with Sheree, myself, and Denise sharing with you our experiences with our own mental health and what that has looked like for our, our home, our families, our businesses, us individually, and that ultimately, again, this is really to I hope empower you and inspire you that you can have a successful business and also have a variety of the things going on. Again, Cherie, you've you've had all of this going on, but of all of us. Right. You've also had fucking what is it, 952 years of lockdown on top of everything. Right. So yeah. again, you still, and I, again, there's a lot of healing that I would suspect that has to happen too coming out of this, but you still kept the business afloat despite COVID. Right. You still kept the team going despite COVID. So again, as I've talked about and I know just talked about in a bunch of us is even when things are at rock bottom and the whole theme of today is around cover me in sunshine from the song pink for Denise and Cherie that we weren't here and that was a song that got me through these kind of last 18 to 24 months and I didn't have it in any type of Melbourne in my life right but again the world will keep spinning it's just the beginning and everything will be all right. And so the essence of that, you've survived all of it. You had a choice, Cherie, didn't you? You had a choice. I mean, they're going to throw in the towel or I'm the choice to keep going. And Cherie's just another example that she chose to keep going, even when things were hard, despite the craziness of Melbourne, Victoria. So huge congratulations, Cherie. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Got a receding hairline, everyone. It's really great. <laughs> yeah. <have> fantastic to you. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, thank you so much. Denise Oshree, any final words that you'd like to say before we wrap up? Yeah, I do. So if anyone has this where, you know, I've seen people break their businesses because they get bored. And the thing that's really saved me over the last couple of years is that I've had this motto of all roads lead to boot camp. Don't break boot camp. And so I allow myself to experiment in marketing and creating opt-ins and I experiment at the top end and I don't break my back end because that's my stability and if you can if you can do something like that it gives you the freedom but then um you don't break shit like I see people do all the time before before it actually works so all roads lead to boot camp is has saved me so much I reckon
0: thank you for that my friend and you any final words
1: Just final words would be if you've listened to anything we've shared today and feel like you want to explore potential neurodiversity for yourself, I I do want to say honestly, my experience, and I can only speak individually, is that for me, it's been a competitive advantage that I love. You know, yes, there are some deficits, sure, but I don't like to focus on that, you know, and it's not that I'm in denial. It's just I don't want to live my life focusing on all of the, you know, the negatives. I honestly live every day so grateful that I have this competitive advantage that I find particular things much easier than other people. So how good is that? You know, so whatever path you go down, if this is something that you see yourself represented in some of the conversations we've had today, I hope you can start to recognise the many competitive advantages you undoubtedly have as well because of this. So, yeah. I
0: love that competitive advantage, right? That's, again, I think... Just the fact that we have insight to this and knowledge to this, this is what I say when I'm working with consulting clients. Again, I don't use the word committed advantage. I just say, listen, I bring 15 years of mental health experience, but I also bring probably way more childhood years, 42 years experience of having ADHD, having gone through anxiety and depression. It adds another layer of, I believe, compassion, empathy, and insight to not exactly what someone's going through, but again, being able to help in a different way that is just like You know, textbook per se. So, no, I like that competitive advantage. All right, ladies, thank you again. I know you both are very busy human beings. So, thank you for taking the time to be here for today. I wish you all the very best. I'll see you guys on socials. And uh, thanks again.
2: Thanks, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your um, retreat together. Thanks,
0: ladies. And we'll see Cherie and Denise next year at the live event (laughs) when we can all finally hug. How amazing was that? I hope you enjoyed this epic episode, and that it allowed you to see things in a different lens. Maybe it gave you hope. Maybe it inspired you. Whatever the feels that you're having right now, lean into it. And I'd love for you to head over to Instagram and send me a DM about your favorite part of this episode. My handle over for Instagram is at Angela Henderson Consulting. I would love to hear what your thoughts were about this episode with Denise, Shuri, and myself. But for now, please remember that my team and I will also be putting together the show notes for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au, where I will ensure to include Cherie's links and Denise's links. Have a fabulous day, you amazing human. And I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson www.angelahenderson.com.au